Monday, and it's a brand new week. And, of course, it's got its brand new weather. It's got its brand new traffic problem. It's got its brand new Super Bowl champion. And it's got brand new ag information coming down the pike on the midday program on the Rural Radio Network. And uh, you're going to swear to the fact that you did not bring snow back with you. Is that right, Susan? That is exactly right. I did not bring the snow back. It was 80 degrees when I left San Antonio yesterday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I tried to get it to jump into my suitcase to bring it back, but <laughs> what I think is the cold air hit the warm air, and that's why we got snow. Yeah, it's pretty hard to train those uh, those warm fronts. They just want to do what they want to do. So uh, tell, tell us what uh, is lined up with you and the ag team here on Midday today. Well, coming up, um, we're going to jump to 117 uh, first off is... It's February, and February just happens to be Lamb Lovers Month. And, you know, they think Valentine's Day, you know, make a really nice meal from lamb. So we're going to talk more about what the uh, lamb industry is doing to help promote uh, eating more lamb. Then Chabella Guzman has at 1245, the Acting Deputy Undersecretary for Food Safety, Carmen Rottenberg, talks about Food Safety Inspection Service proposed amendment the federal meat inspectors when it comes to hog slaughter. So we'll have more on that coming up. And then at 1219, Mike Lashley of Lashley Land Brokers talks about who you see um, when you head out to the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a big show. That's coming right up, isn't it? That's going to be here later this week. We'll be getting reports on Wednesday from Shaley and on Thursday coming from Clay. All right. Well, we're looking forward to all of that. How was your trip, by the way? It was amazing. It's you know, it's always a chance, you know, to to interact and talk with other sheep producers and find out what's happening and the industry is is growing in size. So mm-hmm. there's better opportunity to purchase some American lamb. Well, they're really putting on the push. Thank you very much, Susan. We'll talk You're to you welcome. a little later. Okay. Appreciate it. And now uh, over here we go to uh, Mr. Sports. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was about as good a Super Bowl game as you're going to find. It was. It? I start to finish, it was good. He had a good ending. Almost 1,200 yards of total offense. Wasn't the best defense you'll ever see. But in the end, when Philadelphia had to make a play or two, they got it done to topple the great Tom Brady. And, of course, now what do Eagle fans do in their city? Riot. (laughs) It's Philadelphia. What do you expect? (laughs) But they haven't had a football title since 1960. I kind of have to also lament the fact that the punter is disappearing from pro football. Yeah, there was really no need for one last night. So it was a great game for a tumultuous season for the NFL. This probably was as good of a game and a finish as they could have hoped for. Uh, The finish was not quite as good for the Nebraska women's basketball team yesterday. They were trying to upset 10th-ranked Maryland. They were very close, but they came up just short, losing that one at Pinnacle Bank Arena, coming up at sports with the thoughts of head coach Amy Williams about that as the Huskers saw their five-game winning streak come to an end. Yeah, that's a shame. But they gave it a good run. And they're still in second place in the Big Ten standings. Bob Brogan has some business. Wells Fargo dropped 8% today after the Federal Reserve hit the bank with new sanctions over a scandal involving opening millions of phony consumer accounts. So they're looking into that. Also, uh, energy companies were moving lower as the price of crude oil slipped. There's a new Federal Reserve chair, and uh, Kroger is going to be purchased by a British convenience store. Those stories and more coming up. All right. All this coming up today on Midday. 
And for Paul Perkins, I'm Dirk Christensen with a look at your ag weather today. And it's brought to you by Coolman Repair. Well, we did have a pretty good wintry mix along with freezing rain and sleet. Move across a good portion of western and south-central Nebraska. Little, if any, accumulation came with that, but it did manage to slicken some roads for a time. And in fact, the Nebraska State Patrol and Lincoln County Sheriff's Office, along with officials in Keith County, were uh, forced to close Interstate 80 for a time in the eastbound lanes about the Paxton area due to a jackknife semi. And as a matter of fact, a number of vehicles slide off the slick Interstate 80 through that area. That was uh, updated to a reopening here about a half an hour ago. Interstate 80 eastbound is now open from Paxton to Sutherland as a result. Winter weather continues to dog much of eastern Nebraska at this time, and our most recent weather picture is indicating snowfall that is in some pretty heavy bands that stretch from about the Columbus through the West Point into the Ottawa, Iowa area. Also, we're seeing the Fremont-Blair area, Crete on up through Lincoln and just south of Omaha, all getting some of the heavier accumulations right now. Surrounded by an area of uh, lighter snow back into Nebraska that is breaking up in an area from Norfolk back through the Albion and even the Kearney Tri-City area still receiving a flake or two. Most of Iowa right now is getting substantial snowfall and we're seeing two inch accumulations being reported right now in Denison. Two and a half is being reported right now in Boone County, Iowa. That continues to fall as it moves across much of that area. We are also looking at the ensuing system that's developing now to our west. And that, in spite of some very warm conditions here in the pre-noon hours, are going to be seeing probably up into close to 40-degree territory as far as temperatures are concerned. But we have seen the turnaround begin with colder air moving in and turning rain into snowfall. And that's going to bring Nebraska more chances of accumulating precipitation, but probably not until later on tonight. So mostly cloudy skies expected to late afternoon, becoming partly cloudy in the east. Snow and light chances of freezing rain on through the day. Tonight, Nebraska becomes mostly cloudy with temperatures about 0 to 8 above in the east, 4 to 10 in the central, 8 to 14 in the west. For Tuesday, mostly cloudy with a chance of snow through the day and high temperatures around 16 in the east, 17 to 21 in the central, 25 to 35 in the west. Our extended forecast for Wednesday will recover those temperatures back into the low to mid-20s in the east, the mid-20s to low 30s central, 33 to 41 in the west, and by Thursday, we could be seeing 50 degrees in portions of western Nebraska. Soil moisture conditions are all key weather items that the commodity trade is giving its attention to today. The ag weather forecast is calling for central Argentina to have that hot to very hot weather through Wednesday now. The heat maintaining high stress levels on uh, the reproductive and filling corn and soybeans now, and it appears likely that yield potential for both those crops are starting to decline until or unless those rain chances increase or temperatures decrease. There is some chance for shower activity at the end of this week along with that cooler weather, but it's unlikely that that'll be enough to end those market concerns. Central Brazil continues with rainfall favorable for filling the soybeans, but maybe unfavorable overall for the harvest. The southern areas with favorable crop conditions right now 
In the southern plains, some early week precipitation is in store from the northeastern areas, but little elsewhere. And it remains cold, of course, in the northern plains. Snow is in store for the South Dakota, Iowa, Nebraska areas today and tomorrow. That snow will be hindering some transport at times early this week. Low temperatures will also stress livestock, especially over North Dakota. For weather anytime, krvn.com. Cattle producers may be coming around to the idea of national traceability. According to a recent feasibility study, the EPA tries to balance renewable fuel standards and fossil fuels in the face of the Pennsylvania refinery bankruptcy. And Bryce Duskett joins us to talk about an event the governor has with ag producers. That's all ahead on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. During the Cattlemen's College at the annual NCBA convention in Phoenix, a report was given at the recently released Comprehensive Feasibility Study called U.S. Beef Cattle Identification and Traceability Systems. The study was conducted by World Perspectives, Inc. as part of the Beef Industry Long Range Plan for 2016 through 2020. David Gregg, Consulting Projects Manager for World Perspective, says the study reiterates that stakeholders in the U.S. beef industry realize the issue of traceability and identification needs to be addressed. Results from the study were gathered by surveying more than 600 beef industry members. Further interviews were held with 90-plus beef industry stakeholders across all sectors to get a more in-depth pulse for potential adoption. A few results gathered from the survey shows that 62% of producers support the idea that information generated by an animal identification and traceability system should be made available to government entities in the event of a disease outbreak. 57% of producers support animal identification at the ranch of origin, and 46% of producers support recording recoverability of birth premise data at the point of slaughter. While the survey data appears to support a national animal traceability system, past attempts at a similar system were met with producer opposition. Currently, there's no suggested time frame for when a national traceability system could be implemented. From livestock to fuels, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt continues to focus on reform of accounting system used in the Renewable Identification Numbers, or RENs. RENs are the credits refiners must purchase to prove compliance with the renewable fuel standards if they do not blend enough biofuels into their gasoline. The bankruptcy of the Pennsylvania refiner remains a backdrop for the attention with Pruitt, telling Fox Business News Thursday, we need REN reform. It's something I've talked to Congress about. However, Pruitt is mindful of a biofuel-backing lawmakers, saying the effort is not about getting rid of the renewable fuel requirements rather it's about the accounting mechanism making sure a percentage of our fuel actually has ethanol biofuel supporters are already pushing back reminding epa of commitments they have made on the rfs and some believe that the pennsylvania refiners issues were linked to their business model not a renewable fuel standards obligation cost we end with an upcoming event for farmers ranchers ag leaders and key agribusiness managers in nebraska rice duskett has more Today, Governor Pete Ricketts announced the agenda for the 30th Annual Governor's Ag Conference happening March 7th and 8th in Kearney, Nebraska. The governor says the event is purposeful for about everyone. The Governor's Ag Conference is a key event for the state's agricultural community. It's for Nebraska farmers and ranchers, agribusiness representatives, and policy and business leaders. New to this year's conference is featuring a panel of industry leaders all from Nebraska. We wanted to showcase some of those talented people that we've got here in our ag community. We're fortunate that Nebraska has industry leaders willing to step up and serve in significant national leadership roles. Don Bloss, who's the chair of the National Sorghum Producers, 
Lynn Crisp, the first vice president of the National Corn Growers Association, Jim Miller, the chair of the U.S. Soybean Export Council, Terry O'Neill, the National Pork Board, and Craig Uden, the past president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. You can see the full agenda of the Governor's Ag Conference at RuralRadio.com. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. Thank you, Bryce. I'm Clay Patton. Keep a straight row and keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. Midday on the Rural Radio Network continues. And now sports with Jason Johnson. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Taylor Kissinger scored 18 points, and the Nebraska defense kept 10th-ranked Maryland from going off for a while. But eventually, though, Terrapins prevailed yesterday, 64-57 at Pinnacle Bank Arena. With that defeat, Nebraska slips to 17-7 and overall. They're 8-3 in Big Ten action. They also had their five-game winning streak snapped. Now, the Huskers will not have a midweek game this week, and Coach Williams talks about how they'll use that time off. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing and press forward and learn from our mistakes. We're going to take a peek at some game film and, and uh, you know, see where our problems are coming from. I feel like, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, we're just not disciplined. We have one or two people that are not uh, boxing out on a shot that goes up and give up an offensive rebound. Now, the Huskers will complete their three-game homestand on Sunday afternoon at 2. Villanova, Virginia, and Purdue are making themselves comfortable atop the AP Top 25. The Wildcats ranked number one in today's poll, followed by the second-ranked Cavaliers and the third-ranked Boilermakers. It marks a four-straight week that the trio sits 1-2-3 in the poll. Michigan State climbed a spot to number four, followed by fifth-ranked Xavier. Sixth-ranked Cincinnati moved up to its highest ranking since January of 2004, followed by seventh-ranked Texas Tech, reaching its highest ranking since March of 1996. Ninth-ranked Duke and 10th-ranked Kansas round out the top 10. They slid along with fellow national powers Arizona and Kentucky after losses in an upset-filled weekend. Gothenburg wide receiver Bennett Folkers has decided to accept a walk-on offer at Nebraska. The 6'3", 180-pounder played in the Blue-Gray All-American Bowl in late January, chose to walk on at Nebraska after he had the similar offer from Wyoming and scholarship offers from NAIA schools Hastings and Doan. Folker's junior year was his best statistical season at Gothenburg when he had 46 catches for 886 yards and 14 touchdowns. Also, York star Simon Odie has decided to walk on with a big red as well. The date is set for Philadelphia's Super Bowl victory parade. The city announced today that the parade will be Thursday starting at 11 a.m. at Broad Street near the stadiums. It will move north along the city's main thoroughfare, past City Hall, and finish at the Art Museum's Rocky Steps. The team is scheduled to arrive back in Philadelphia today. The Eagles won their first Super Bowl in franchise history last night, downing the Patriots 41-33. Unfortunately, there were some reports of rioting and looting after the big win. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Coming mostly cloudy in Nebraska tonight with lows around 8 above in eastern Nebraska to 14 above in the west. I'm Dave Schroeder. ATV safety courses are being offered across Nebraska this spring aimed at reducing the number of injuries related to the popular vehicles that farmers and ranchers often use. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services says there were seven ATV deaths in 2016 and 94 hospitalizations and 578 emergency room visits related to the vehicles. 
Extension educator Susan Harris-Broomfield says it's sad to hear about all the preventable ATV injuries and deaths. Many serious injuries happen when ATVs tip over and riders fall off. It's important to wear helmets, avoid taking passengers, and ride appropriate-sized ATVs. Several organizations, including the University of Nebraska Extension and University of Nebraska Medical Center, are sponsoring the classes in more than 50 cities. Upgrades are on the horizon at Omaha's Epley Airfield as it nears capacity following its busiest year ever. About 4.6 million people traveled through the airport last year, a 6% increase from 2016. The increase is the biggest annual percentage jump that the airport has seen since 2005. Airport officials say new routes, more flights, and airlines flying larger planes contributed to the increased traffic. Economists say Omaha's strong economy contributed to the demand for air travel. Projects to be considered include improvements to the North Concourse and renovations to the airport's main terminal. Two men face murder charges in the death of a Lincoln man whose family reported him missing last summer. The Lincoln police have charged 16-year-old Dominic Aguirre and 35-year-old Paul Clark with second-degree murder. They were also charged with kidnapping, assault, and using a firearm to commit a felony. They are arrested in connection with the death of 35-year-old Philip Madlock, whose brother reported him missing in July. In Kansas, relatives of a Vietnam War veteran want back a piece of the man's legacy stolen from a storage unit in Kansas. The family of Charles Chuck David Sankey is offering a $12,000 reward to anyone with information that leads them to the Silver Star, Purple Heart, and four Bronze Stars stolen from a Hutchinson, Kansas stealth storage unit. Hutchinson police say the facility has cameras and that officers are following several leads. Put our app on your phone and listen to podcasts and on-demand audio on your schedule. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's USDA Food Safety and Inspection Service, FSIS, announced recently its continued effort to modernize inspection systems through science-based approaches to food safety. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shabella Guzman. USDA is proposing to amend the federal meat inspection regulations to establish a new voluntary inspection system for market hog slaughter establishments called the New Swine Slaughter Inspection System. Acting Deputy Undersecretary for Food Safety Carmen Rotenberg explains the specifics of the amendment. There's a couple of parts to it. It will establish this new optional inspection system uh, that we're calling the New Swine Inspection System for market hog establishments. And there are about 40 large volume uh, hog market hog slaughter establishments in the country. There are over 600 hog slaughter establishments. Potentially have an impact on those if they choose to opt into the new swine inspection system. And it's essentially based on a 16-year pilot that the agency has been conducting about allowing the plant to sort unfit uh, animals or to sort defects from the carcasses of the animals before it gets in front of the line inspector, uh, government inspector. And so it provides a little bit more flexibility for the establishment in terms of how they present the animal for inspection, but there's still 100% government inspection of every single carcass. Um, that's a, that's a, the new swine inspection system, again, is, is a, would be an optional program. Establishments could 
stay in the traditional inspection or they could opt into this new swine inspection system. And the other thing that is in the proposed rule is actually uh, additional requirements for all establishments that slaughter swine. It's there's additional requirements for pathogen sampling at certain points in the line for all slaughter establishments. So there's two pieces to the rule. One is this optional new swine inspection system, and then we have uh, some additional requirements for all swine inspection facilities. Since the rule is not a mandatory one, Rotenberg gives some reasons why processors would want to opt into the regulation. Well, we think that it allows innovation and flexibilities to establishments that are slaughtering market hogs. Uh, market hogs are uniform, healthy young animals. Uh, they they all weigh and and um, look uh, about the same because they are young, healthy animals that are slaughtered at the same time in life, and they can be slaughtered and processed in this modernized system more effectively and efficiently uh, with enhanced process control. So the new swine inspection system allows the plants to operate at potentially at faster line speeds in order to slaughter the animals, present the animals for inspection in different kinds of ways, and perhaps make some changes to the way that they configure their line. So it's really, uh, as a business process, they may want to be having other food safety interventions before the inspectors inspect the product. Rodenberg says the rule will also assist the USDA inspectors performing the inspections. While at the same time, we are able as an agency to make better use of our resources. We still have line inspectors, but we're able to position some of our other inspection resources in other parts of the plants that have a direct impact on food safety and also humane handling of the animals. So we're able to do additional work in those areas, um, which we believe leads to better public health outcomes. For market hog establishments that opt into NSIS, the proposed rule would increase the number of offline USDA inspection tasks while continuing 100% FSIS carcass-to-carcass inspection. Rotenberg says the offline inspection tasks place inspectors in areas of the production process where they can perform critical tasks that have direct impact on food safety. Well, we have the safest food supply in the world, and nothing about this rule changes that. Uh, Some of the more prescriptive parts to the rule for all swine establishments in terms of where that we are going to be requiring uh, two samples, at least two samples, be taken at specific points on the line as a predictor of their process control in the establishment. So that leads to better public health outcomes. And then also we are positioning our resources, like I said, in different parts of the plant to ensure that additional food safety verification tasks are conducted by our inspection personnel while also maintaining 100% carcass-by-carcass inspectors. So for the consumer, I don't think that they see any huge difference here. The the food that they're eating today is safe and the food that they're going to eat um, after this rule is proposed uh, is also safe. Rodenberg says the current rule was written in the 1960s and there have been many changes in the processing sector. And a lot has happened both in terms of the methodology that the agency uses for inspection. Uh, We've moved to a hazard analysis and critical control point system for all plants, uh, and we did that in the the late 90s. And so this is a natural outcome from that in terms of the onus is placed on the plant to produce a safe product, and we're verifying that it's it's safe. 
um, and we still have our government inspectors in the plant during all hours of operation, and so nothing there changes. We've been talking with Carmen Rotenberg, USDA Acting Deputy Undersecretary for Food Safety, on the proposed amendment to the federal meat inspection regulations to establish a new voluntary inspection system for market hog slaughter establishments called a new swine slaughter inspection system. There will be a 60-day period for comment once the rule is published in the Federal Register. To view the proposed rule and information on how to comment on the rule, visit the FSIS website at www.fsis.usda.gov. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Back on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Clay Patton. For a check of our closing livestock futures, we're joined with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. And Joe, kind of a dismal day to the trade. Yes, it was. Uh, we were lower with one exception, and that being the uh, February hogs, which were higher. But uh, the cattle complex, uh, under some pressure, uh, uh, we had some triple-digit losses in the uh, live cattle and, uh, uh, and in the feeders. And I would say a lot of it had to do with uh, the fact that uh, last week we really didn't see the cash trade that uh, everybody anticipated. Then you throw in the equity markets, which are really uh, sliding, and uh, that put a lot more pressure on it. As a matter of fact, if you watch the uh, the, the uh, equity markets uh, and the cattle market, they're almost simultaneous in their movement because uh, uh, we we opened lower, we rallied with the uh, stock market rallying back, and then uh, dropped off here at the end. With the uh, with the stock market going down again, so that was kind of an unusual uh, trade, but uh, to be expected too, because it puts a lot of nervousness in the markets, all markets. The, the hogs, though, uh, the February staying a little bit higher, uh, staying at a premium to the index, which has been climbing, but cash seems steady, firm, uh, and that uh, that helped the uh, nearby, but. Uh, Obviously, the back end kind of suffering uh, from the same aspects that the uh, cattle market was uh, facing, and that was the uh, the index. That was Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, joining us for a closing look at the livestock futures. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. We're into the month of February, and it's very important to the sheep industry. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Jim Percival is from the state of Ohio and chairman of the American Lamb Board. Because February is Lamb Lovers Month, and we are really excited about the different promotions that are going on. You know that our promotion of uh, Feed Your Adventure side has been going on, and it's been extremely successful. Um, demand for lamb, especially American lamb, is up. Um, we're here at the ASI convention um, working with producers to make sure that we can meet that demand. Jim talked about some things that they're doing to help promote Lamb Lovers Month in February. Well, one of the big things that, that we do as the Lamb Board is we work with what, what's known as food influencers. Um, throughout the United States, I'm sure you've seen it and people see it. Um, there are people that blog about what they eat every day and they talk about um, the benefits of different meals and how you prepare different meals and we are working specifically with some of those food influencers 
to talk about lamb. Another thing that we've been able to do is work with the Tulane School of Culinary Medicine um, and, and educating people um, both within the food industry and outside nutritionists and those folks about the benefits of a one healthy diet, but how that lamb works into that healthy diet. Which, of course, then in turn leads to profitability and more exposure to the Oh, absolutely. We're extremely excited about uh, some of the different farm tours that we've been able to do. If you go on the Lamb Resource Center website, uh, we have a lot of videos about how these lambs are humanely raised, um, how they're uh, taken care of on the farm. So people can see from point A, which is when that ewe has that baby lamb, all the way to point Z when that lamb is harvested uh, for the consumer. And a lamb board's website definitely is tantalizing. Well, we want it to be tantalizing. You can go there and get recipes as easy as, you know, salt and pepper and lamb chops, all the way to recipes that were developed for us by renowned chefs throughout the United States. Um, and that's just one part of it. Also, as part of our website, we have things that are for the producers, for those of us that raise those lambs, and how we can be uh, not only more productive, but hopefully a little bit more profitable in what we're doing. We are. We're seeing an increase in the demand for American lamb, which is, is very exciting for us. And one of the trends that we see that maybe people wouldn't expect is millennials. Um, millennials, we did about two years of research to figure out who, you know, our customer base really is. And one of the things we found is that millennials are adventurous eaters. And about 70% of them identify themselves as foodies. And they have no biases towards land. People want something that tastes different. They want something that's bold. And lamb is a, is a protein you know, a great protein, but it tastes different and people want that. They want to try something new. So if you're looking for something new, you might want to try lamb. And why not? It's the month of February and it's Lamb Lovers Month. Comments coming from Jim Percival from the American Lamb Board. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time to talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zang Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grains. And uh, John, as we take a look here towards the grain screen at the close today, just a day, kind of a dismal day of trading. Yeah, I really started lower last night and then really leaked. You know, we've had this kind of midday pattern where we break in the overnight and then sell the open and then we make a low and then come back and really trade better throughout the day. And we had that pattern going till. Oh, maybe an hour ago, and uh, you know, kind of gave it all back and trading not on the lows, but just off of it. Uh, corn, you know, below 360 here, which the 100-day moving average uh, for that contract. So I don't know. I, I'd like to think there's some upside here ahead of the USDA report, uh, but there might be some jitters. Uh, we had seen quite a bit of uh, short covering that led up to this point, so you might just see the shorts making another stab at selling it. Still think it's probably too premature here to be calling one way or the other on what this crop looks like in South America. And then as we take a look, China threatening on some trade negotiations. Is that affecting the trade at all? Uh, you know, I think when all else is constant and we're quiet, that's going to be something that's going to move the market. I, I think uh, it's, I find it very interesting, the timing of this claim, given that they've been on this big buying spree, um, you know, for... Uh, 
for sorghum, really. It's a little bit like me saying I'm going to quit drinking beer after the Super Bowl's over, uh, you know, after spending a whole weekend, a whole football season doing it. That's kind of how, what they've been they've been doing. They've been buying hand over fist. You see the sorghum basis here rally, and it'll take a year, year, if not years, for them to get through some sort of claim uh, regarding some sort of complaint. But I think it's more of just a shot at the, at the market, and I think, you know, markets like beans, are a little more susceptible to that at this point. So we're we're down pretty good here over the last four days. I, I look for maybe a move tomorrow, south tomorrow, but I don't think we're going to get too much of a push below there. And then as we take a look at some of these spreads in these different grain contracts, the bulls are kind of in there. Yeah, and that's where the bullish action is. If you're looking at July versus December, which is you know the, the mid-month spread, we're at, we're on a pretty good move here from mid-September. That was at a 17 and a half spread. We cl- spread we closed at 15 cents today, which is like a six-month high uh, for July. Now we do have the Goldman roll going on right now, so a lot of fun money being shifted around. But I do look for some you know some of these end users are coming in and buying on breaks. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for them, given the situation in South America and the drought conditions that are out west. For them to just sit here completely unex- exposed to upside. So, uh, you know, I think the USD report maybe gives the buyers one more break this week. I would not be chasing this thing lower, uh, especially on the corn side. It feels like we've hit some levels that you want to be a buyer at longer term. Uh, I look for kind of a sideways choppy action into the delivery period uh, two weeks from now. And then after that, I think we'll, we'll trade more on U.S. weather and, uh, you know, the drought conditions that are uh, that in Argentina that don't really appear to be getting any better. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing. Contact Daniels Ag at DanielsAgMarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.